Hey, I'm Pastor Paul Watson, and you're listening to the official podcast of the Downtown Vineyard Church. At DTV Church, we're followers of Jesus, and we believe that relationships are holy and that God loves everyone. We are so excited that you're a part of our online community of faith, and from wherever you're listening, I hope you are blessed by this message this week. Sweet. All right. Don't Susan Scott do a great job? And... uh, I like that they kind of match today. Like, they kind of match. They kind of, they kind of match. Did you guys pick up on that? They kind of match. Lamea, anytime, she, she likes it. Like, when we match, she's going to like, hey, I'm going to buy us two shirts that look exactly the like. And I'm like, yeah, we're not doing that. And so one day, one day she looks and she goes, wait, you like sports, right? They all have the same jerseys. And I said, oh, wait, we're going we're gonna to call them jerseys? I'm in. I'm in. So, so Lene and I are Team Watson, right? So if we're ever wearing, if we're ever wearing the same shirt, we're not matching. We're, 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 we're on the same team. It's a jersey. It's a jersey. So anyway, so um, uh, just, just one quick um, moment. We're just, um, this summer I've said we're going to be doing a lot of talking about just where our finances are. So as you know, last week I got to say that last month was the first month all year long where our income was greater than our expenses. So we, we've just been talking about that, and there's just this space for me where it's like, okay, we just got to talk about this. Like, anytime your, uh, anytime your personal income is upside down, you just got to have those conversations. And so here's what I love. I love that I was able to talk about that the past four weeks, and I love that you as a church responded. You know, one of the things I love about the Downtown Vineyard Church is you guys have always been unbelievably generous. And when there's a need, you've been a church who responds to it. And so just, I love that. And so just that's where we're at. If you, have, if you consider the downtown Vineyard Church your home church, one of the easiest things you can do is that the easiest thing you can do is you can go online and you can set up, you can set up giving so it's regular. Regular giving, regular tithing, regular offering, regular generosity has a great impact over time. Now, here's the interesting part about tithing and giving. If, if it's not a part of your life, it becomes something that's, I can understand, it's kind of hard to do, right? I can remember when Lene and I started giving regularly. Uh, I think we started out at $5 a Sunday. Like, we were just broke. We were just broke. But what we wanted was, we wanted to be people who, when we read Scripture and we read Scripture, what we wanted to be were people who walked in discipleship, right? Like we wanted this to be a part of our spiritual life. Even though it was small, we knew that God rewarded that small act. Does that make sense? And so we started off really, really small. And it is a piece that anybody that gives regularly, anybody that, that, if you talk to a Christian, a believer, and they talk and they are a person who gives and does tithes to their church, right? I can tell you, in all my years, I've never met anyone who went, I wish I could have that money back. And I mean this. I mean, I mean this. Because what happens is it becomes a principle in their life, and that principle God blesses. And in that principle that God blesses, there's this discipleship piece. And so, anyway, in that space, I, just said, I told you four weeks ago, we're going to be talking about this through the summer. It's just where our church is at. And we've made a whole bunch of changes. You'll get to see those changes in about two weeks. But I just want to pray over our tithes and offering. Is that cool? And so we're just going to pray over our tithes and offering. And so, Lord, we're just going to come before you. 
Lord, that we know that when we give our tithes and offerings to you as a spiritual act of discipleship, God, that you take those moments and you bless them. And so, Lord, we just ask that you would bless these tithes and offerings that are given today. We ask that you would um, use them for your kingdom and that people would come to know you through those generosity acts. We love you, Jesus. We trust you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we're in this series we're calling One Hit Wonders. It's kind of this thing we started last year. This is only our second year to do it. And what we do is we take one month out of the summer, and we invite friends to come over and teach whatever they want to. And last year we used all staff. And this year I'm bringing in pastors from other churches uh, that are my personal friends. They're like my, they're like my top favorites. And so I'm bringing them in and saying, hey, why don't you come teach for the DTV? And it's been fantastic. Last week you got to hear from Jack English. Jack and Wendy uh, are out of the Windsor Vineyard over by Fort Collins. They're great, great, great friends. And this week you get to hear from my friends Mike and Christy Colley. And they are also great, great, great friends. And so for, for me it's, uh, it's this joy that my friends get to be in town. They get to meet my church. Uh, when I say my church, they get to meet our church. And you guys get to see these relational connections. And so remember, when we invite friends into our house, we don't give golf claps. We give ruckus roars. So would you give them a ruckus roar? Come on, come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good, right? Yeah, that's good. That's good. That's good. Yeah. So anyway, so we've known each other for 23 years, and I think you have a story about that. Oh, yeah. Well, Bless you. Yeah, thank you. Well, hello, Downtown Vineyard. Thank you so much. That was seriously, I'm like, I think maybe you could come and teach our churches. Yeah. Like, that was so impressive. Uh, we are Mike and Christy Colley. And we are um, co-lead pastors of two different churches, the Smoky Hill Vineyard in Centennial, Colorado, and Larkspur Church in, big guess, Larkspur, Colorado. Um, and so we are, like Paul said, we are longtime friends and so thankful. Um, yeah, and if you do not know where Larkspur is, that's okay. No Most people don't. Yeah. Uh, Larkspur is a little community that sits about halfway between downtown Denver and downtown Colorado Springs. Yeah. yeah, so I wasn't sure when Paul invited us to be part of the One Hit Wonders if that was reflective of how he felt about our painting style um, or potentially about how I drive his side-by-sides because two years ago we came out for a pastor's conference and I will credit your church with saving both my life and our youth pastor's life because Thank you. let's yeah. just say I don't know how to drive them and they would say go this way and I would yeah. go the opposite way and people would jump on the back so I wouldn't flip She it, legit almost killed herself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we had some big praying angels and I was like maybe that's the one hit wonder Paul's actually referring to legitimately. Um, so anyways. Yes, yeah. so we, um, uh, as Paul shared, we've known each other, at least Paul and I have, for 23 years. So I actually have known Paul longer than Christy and I have been married. Mm-hmm. And, um, I re- bit, and I remember sitting in an Applebee's in Columbus, Ohio, with Paul and Jay Pathak. Uh, Jay Pathak's the national director of the vineyard now, but he's also the pastor of Mile High Vineyard. And we were sitting there, and I think, I think another friend of our, Rob, was there as well. But there were sitting in this Applebee's, and Jay's been trying to get me to plant for like I, pretty much ever since we joined him. So for like nine months, he's been, you should go plant. You should go plant. I'm like, I'm not qualified to plant. You should go plant. And we're sitting there, and I finally like, what about Paul? Paul can do it. Paul can plant. He's and way more qualified. Paul goes, not interested. Nope. Unsubscribe. Don't, don't want to do that. I think, I think it was more like, I'm integrated. 
great church. Why would you leave a great church to start another great church? But this, this is life. Yeah. So I just want to say that you can thank me that Paul is here in downtown Vineyard exists. I'm going to take full credit, okay, if that's all right. Jay may have had something to do with it there. The Lord probably had a small part as well, Uh, but I'll take most of the credit for for deflecting the conversation from me to Paul, okay? There you go. Yeah, Yeah, and I will will give Paul the credit then for saving my life and that we're actually here together. Yeah, that's so good. We appreciate that. In fact, we had a picture somewhere. I was trying to find it, but I couldn't where we got off the, the, is it four-wheelers? How do you say it? I don't even, this is why I probably shouldn't be driving one. But we got off of it and took my, my goggles off, and I was just covered. I was a mess, like dirt, mud. I'm like, I don't even look like I know what a shower is, much less have taken one in a month. It was really something. So some of us don't mind being messy. Right. But, yeah. Well, I, you know, and I, I do think when we, as we talked this morning about this idea of how do you find your identity in Christ? So let me ask the question maybe this way. Do you know who you are? Let me ask it a different way. Do you know whose you are? See, when we get into places like even Christie's mess, I really do wish we had a picture. It's it's just like a raccoon with those goggles that protected her eyes and everything else is covered in dirt and red clay. And prayers. Yes. It's a mess. And, And, you know, the truth is, is that here's what I can promise you about your life without having known you at all. There are things in your life that are an absolute mess that you can't do anything to change. Maybe some of them you can, but I would bet that there are many things going on in your life right now that you just go, oh man, if you only knew what a mess this is. And we know that because we have those spaces. Our family, our staff, our churches, everyone has those spaces. We, yeah, truthfully, we are a little bit of a mess, but that's, but it's not about us right now, okay? So I can promise you that there are things in your life that are a mess, and here's the truth. Here's the thing we want you to see, and hopefully we're going to share a little bit of our story of our daughter, our oldest daughter, who's given us permission to share this story, and as we, as we move into this place, we're going to use that as an example of the way God works in the mess, but here's what I can promise you, is your identity doesn't change no matter what your circumstances are. Do you know whose you are? Because for many of us, we get off track, right? We begin to place our identities in what we do, in who we know, in our families, in our circumstances, in our bank accounts, and I mean, any myriad of things, right? We too often get caught up in these things that are false selves instead of our true identity in Christ, right? Mm-hmm. We forget not just who we are, but whose we are, most importantly. And so we want to talk about today, how do we make sure that we are focused and centered on whose we are in a way that frees us, regardless of if there's a mess or if you're like, hey, there's no mess in my life. Good job. Good on you. But just in case a mess ever shows up in your path. Yeah. If your life's perfect, please let us know. We would love to hear tips. tips. You could teach a class or self-help books you could write. Come on. So we're going to intersperse some of our story and some of the Apostle John's that we can talk about who. And where is your true identity? So let's pray. Would you join us? Father, we thank you for this church. We thank you for Downtown Vineyard, God. We thank you for every single heart, every single family, every single beautiful place, and every single messy, messy place. And this morning, we pray, God, that you would speak into every single one of those. We pray that the power of your Holy Spirit would breathe upon us. God, breathe with the power of your Spirit like a mighty wind moving through our hearts, our lives, our circumstances. So, Lord, we just give you this time, get past our heads, into our hearts and our souls, Lord. 
reflect the things you want for each of us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So uh, we're going to share some of our story. Let me give you a quick disclaimer. I actually, when we agreed to come do this, um, I then ended up having to run and catch a flight out. So I have a flight at 11.30. So just to know that about 10 till, whether we're done or not, I'm out. But it's not because he doesn't like you guys. Yeah. So don't worry about that. It's but not don't personal. worry, Christy, Christy will stay. The best part of us will stay, okay? So just be clear. So let me give you a little bit of our story. I, uh, I went through a divorce about 23 years ago, 22 years ago, something along those lines. You lose track of all those things, right? But I went through a divorce a while ago. And at that time, I had uh, kids that were five, four, and two. And our oldest daughter, Mackenzie, was, our, was the five-year-old. And, uh, and unfortunately, Mackenzie's mom just walked away really from the Lord first, but then eventually from me, then from uh, the, even the kids for a period of time. So all of a sudden, I'm a single dad of a five, four, and two-year-old for a couple years. Now, Mackenzie, our, our oldest, and I'll use the language ours because Christie's raised her. Because I walked into an instant family, and I like to say I became a mother of multiples in a most unusual way. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, so Mackenzie is smart and funny mm-hmm. and strong-willed and um, never wrong. I don't know. Never. If you, I'm sure you've never had a kid who's never wrong, but we, we had one. And when Christy and I were married two years later, she really did come alongside and help raise her. Well, what we realize is, as, as Mackenzie's birth mom really got back in the world with her again, is that Mackenzie ended up being involved in all kinds of stuff that she just didn't need to be. She needed to be a kid. And she didn't get a chance to really do that very much. And there was a period during elementary years where things were getting just hard for her. She would be with her mom for a few days a week and then come back. And it was, you could feel the contentiousness coming up. And like any good father, I just wanted to control her, right? Protect and, her. No, no, I wanted to, oh yes, I did want to protect her. But, uh, but I wanted to do that by controlling the circumstances and the mm-hmm. environment, which really was the backwards way to do this. At 14 years old, after lots of phone calls from teachers and schools and sneaking out and other things, she basically looked at us and said, I hate you and I hate your God. Sorry, I sometimes get a little weepy, so I will try to control that. But uh, even now, all these years later, it still hits. I hate you and I hate your God. And the Lord made it very clear that we were supposed to open hands and let her go and trust her with the Lord. And it didn't make any sense at all. So we'll share more about Mackenzie's story. But just know that as I look back now, I can see these places where she was stuck where she had lost her identity, whose she really was, who she really was. She'd got stuck in this place of no longer finding her true self, but in, mm-hmm. in, in really looking in places of what we call the false self. Yeah. And maybe some of us have been there in our lives, right? Like Mackenzie, like our daughter, like ourselves. We want to look at how do we consider when we get stuck, when we lose sight in times of mess or in times of devastating comments from family or brokenness, that we see all around us. In times of mess in our lives, our families, our callings, our seasons, our jobs, perhaps seasons of misdirection, how do we re-anchor? How do we reset? How do we really grab hold of what our true identity is? And, and the good news is we're not alone in this journey. We can go all the way back to the very beginning of the word of God, the very beginning of the arc of his story of redemption. 
and take a look at where we make our messes, right? This shouldn't be a surprise to most of us, but if we look at the original sin messes and then God's redemptive arc of his story that has been written for each and every single one of us, this is good news. This gets me really excited. So we know God places Adam in the Garden of Eden, right? And it, one little thing is said. Every, it's beautiful. It's yours to tend. Everything you need is going to be here. Just don't touch the one tree. Don't eat of the fruit from the knowledge of good and evil, right? But what happens? Oh, and there was a, one thing missing, I guess, because God yeah. was like, oh, Adam, you need a helper. Yeah, of course you You need did. a helper. Yes. So God very beautifully did that. A.K.A. And, boss, right? No, I mean, no. <laughs> Sometimes like we'll say the Holy Spirit sounds a lot like my wife's oh, voice, but I don't, I don't know it about that. exactly I like mean, it. It, speak, Lord. <laughs> so God resolves that issue and takes care of that, right? But then um, that, that boundary is given. Don't eat from this tree. But then, of course, we know what happens. They make a mess of things, don't they? The one place they're not supposed to touch, the one thing they're not supposed to do, they get deceived and they believe we can become like God if we just eat of this tree. This must be why he doesn't want us to. And they make a mess of things. Both he and Eve, um, they eat of the fruit, don't they? And theologically, that would be what's called the pursuit of the false self. The very early original sin that we see, the pursuit of the false self. Robert Mulholland in his book, The Deeper Journey, says the temptation to take over God's role in our life is the essence of the false self. A self that in some way is playing God in our life or in our world. And he goes on to explain, you were created to experience your true life, your genuine identity, your deepest meaning, your fullest purpose, your ultimate value in an intimate, loving union with God at the core of your being. That's our true self, right? We try to step in and become false self-gods, and God says, I have something so much better, even when we're tempted to take creation of our own identity. So don't worry, we're going to bring a little scripture in here. So let's talk about John the disciple or John the apostle, whatever your language you like to use. John's one of the original 12. Um, tradition holds that John was the only one who did not, was not martyred for his faith, although he was at different points persecuted and even um, uh, tortured in, in different spots. But John hits the end of his life and he actually writes the Gospel of John many years after the other Gospels. And he writes these letters that he writes also to the church, kind of these moments. And what you have to read John through is the lens of he's finally realizing that Jesus is not going to return during the disciples' lives. That there was this, there was this thought among the disciples in the early church that Jesus would return before all of them passed away. And as John realizes I'm the only one left, he's like, I need to write a whole bunch of things to communicate to the future church. So we read John through the eyes of, he's not trying to retell stories, he's actually trying to help us understand what Jesus was up to. So John, later in life, writes in his letter, in one of his epistles, which epistle means a letter, he writes, 1 John 3, verses 1 through 3, he writes, See what great love the Father has lavished on us. Now, this is John in all of his wisdom, all of his understanding, towards the end of his life, fully engaged with his life with Jesus. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called, say this with me, children of God. Children of God. That God sees you and I as sons and daughters of the Most High. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is it did not know him. <coughs> Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But what we know, 
But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. So children of God. So, so real quickly, if this is your first time in, in uh, DTV, just let me give you a little bit of understanding. We believe that Jesus came to make a way for us to have relationship with our God, Father God. That out of the sin of Adam and Eve, that God had a plan. And many years later, Jesus came as, quote, the second Adam. But he came to then be the perfect human to make a way. And then as he sits on the cross and he's carrying the burden of all of our sins, by the way, not just our past sins, our current sins and our future ones, there's some hope for you today that Jesus has actually died for all your sins, not just the ones you came, you had before you came to Jesus, right? So that Jesus came and he is the redemption and hope and the plan. God didn't have a plan B. It was Jesus. That was it. He was all of it. This whole idea. But what John's saying is he's even helping us reframe this and go, and there's other scriptures, right? Paul writes these things about we're co-heirs with Christ, that we are sons and daughters of the Most High. And John's reminding him, some of his last words he ever wrote, he says, do not forget. Do not forget whose you are. Whose you are. And man, when we look around this world, it's so easy to forget whose we are. We lose those places. And John's going, don't, children, don't forget. And then he goes on in verse 4, he says, everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins. And in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Now, let me be really, really clear, because we can take this text and we can make it all super religious, like you can't ever sin because you're no longer in Jesus. That is not what the text says. Matter of fact, when you read this into this invitation as a child of God, that what he's really saying is, don't step into that false self. Every time you sin, what you're really doing is you've forgotten who you are. You've forgotten your identity. Keep coming back to whose you are. This, this invitation is not a requirement. See this? The sin literally means missing a mark. And all John's really saying is, don't keep walking away from what I have for you, that the God, Father God has for you as a child of God. Boy, we are forgetful people, aren't we? Oh. we? We forget whose we are, but we also forget how deceived and how, how self-deceptive we are, right? Yeah. Maybe, maybe it was just our 14-year-old daughter. Maybe you've been a 14-year-old daughter or son, and you remember, you thought you were really good at hiding your sin, right? Right? Come on. You're not that far removed from it. I remember thinking I was really good at this. Our daughter did too until, you know, she would get busted every time she would sin and do something. Maybe when you took the door off her hinges. Yeah, that did help. That did help when she lost her privilege to a door for a while. Yeah. But back to Robert Mulholland. If you've never read anything by him, his, he's got this great book called um, An Invitation to Journey, and then kind of the follow-up book is this deeper journey. And as we're thinking about how forgetful we are, maybe none of these apply to you, but just in case, let's talk about what it means to experience false self in our own lives, okay? Perhaps you are someone that experiences being a fearful self. Like Adam and Eve, you were, you were fearful of being caught in your sin, right? We, we fear that a lack of a true center of our identity might be revealed to others and our weaknesses exploited. You might find yourself in a false self being protective. You might build an extensive network of relationships that say, you're great, you never do anything wrong. Maybe some of us have that in our lives, I don't know. 
We can see that in Cain and the killing of his brother, right? I've never done, I'm not my brother's keeper. This isn't my fault, right? He did something wrong. We can be possessive selves. We can tie our value and our worth to our possessions, seeing them perhaps as another means of protection or a way to accomplish and get what we want from the world. We see this with Ananias and Sapphira. Do you remember their story? They were so protective of what they had that they lied and were literally struck dead, which is always a terrifying story. We can be manipulative people seeking to leverage the world for our own gain and what it brings. Really, we could talk about any of the Old Testament kings pretty much at some point in their lives. We can be destructive selves where others become players in our own game, valued largely for the benefit they bring us, maybe our compulsive need for more. Again, any of the Old, King, Old Testament kings uh, fit into that as well. We can be self-promoting. The best of our behaviors can be come stained with the need for approval of others. We join movements, we serve, we run for office, we do all these wonderful, beautiful things, but maybe inside we hope that our identity will be bolstered and will be noticed in those places. A side effect of this is actually the placing of blame, right? When those things don't happen, when something goes wrong in our relationship or people don't realize how valuable we are, we fix blame in a manner that absolves us of any responsibility. The false self can be an indulgent self seeking joy and pleasure outside of who we know God to be in Psalm 1611, the one whose presence is fullness of joy and whose at right hand are all pleasures forevermore. We can be distinction-making, right? We see this throughout the Word of God where we characterize others as different than us, right? They might be Jew versus Gentile, slave versus free, male versus female, rich versus poor, wise versus foolish or strong and weak. And we become religious selves that protect ourselves by saying, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons and do all kinds of good deeds in your name in Matthew? Chapter 7, but of course we know Jesus responds with, I never knew you. Go away from me, evildoers. These people were so busy being in the world for God that they failed to be in God for the world. Yeah. So going back to our story with Mackenzie, uh, about three years later, right, as she, right before she turned 17, she reached out and, and asked to have coffee with us. And she sat down and said, look, I need to apologize to you. And we're like, well, that's, this is new behavior, right? So she's like, I need to apologize to you. She goes, I used my circumstances to manipulate and get what I wanted. And I basically was selfish and I got what I wanted and it's not what I want. And so she asked for permission. She was going to help her birth mom move back, move to another state, help her get settled. She asked permission to move back in with us that summer and uh, spend her senior year with us and really reconnect with the family. So we said, sure, we, we would love to do that. That would be amazing. Yes, we love you. We are I mean, you. that's a little, we were. Actually, we were both in shock. It took us about four months to get to, that would be amazing. We'd love to have you back home. Yeah, we, we yeah. were in denial. That's for sure. So as we, uh, uh, as we go forward in our story, we, she gets out to be with us that summer, sometime in July-ish. And she's with us for like a day. And all of a sudden I go, man, she's like super nauseous all the time. We're like driving down the highway. I wonder she's why like, I she's so nauseous. Yeah. Over. yeah. I'm like, that's weird. When dad figures out before everybody else is not a good thing. But I finally went, Christy, she's pregnant. And Christy's like, no. no. It's like, no. yeah, I think you should no, I, I think take God a separate car on the way home. I stop and get her a pregnancy test. I'm pretty sure, yep, sure enough, she's pregnant. So we got a chance to journey with her her senior year in high school as she was pregnant. We got a chance to help her navigate all the processes of having a kid and all those things. And so 
we share this part of the story. Uh, and by the way, we didn't do it perfectly, but we actually did pretty well in this season because we were just so glad to have our daughter back. We didn't care. But it was still messy. So glad. It was still messy. It was messy. But here's what I would say is that many times when we start making steps to be in alignment with God, when we start moving towards him, when we go back to who's our identity, there are moments where things feel better internally, but they don't always get better externally. Oftentimes, it actually feels like things get worse, like the swirl and the mess seem worse when we say yes, that we have to keep staying the course because there's a, there's a larger redemption story that God's writing. So, uh, Mulholland in his book, no, I'm sorry, this is out of a, a, the, something by the Navigators. They did a whole thing on the false and true self. And I'm just going to read these for you real quick, but they are a beautiful, because we can't say them any better than this. The false self is the person we wish we were, the person we think we should be, but aren't. The false self is the person who wants to impress others with the gifts God has given us. We rarely know it, but the false self is ego-driven and self-serving. The false self is defensive, protecting the image we want to protect. The false self is full of pride. The reason we don't recognize our false self is because through our good works and holy behavior, the false self masquerades as an angel of light. Is anyone else bleeding in this room? I'm like, oh. I've had all week to sit with that. It's been hurting for a while. So... Uh, and, then, and then they go on later and they talk about the true self. The true self, on the other hand, is the person God created us to be, full of God's gifts, full of the talents God has given us, and full of God's grace and love. Paul wrote that in Christ we have taken off the old self and we put on the new self. This new self, John wrote, is born not of natural descent nor of human decision, but born of God as God's children. Because the true self is created by God, it lives freely. It does not need to control things in order to protect a self-image. The fruits of the Spirit seem to flow out of who we are, often surprising us. Do you know whose you are? So here's our hope for you today as we think about this story is, do you recognize as you read the Bible? Are you actively reading your Bible? Because if you're not, we can give you all kinds of suggestions where to look and see that God meets his people in the deepest places of their desperation and their loss. He met us in that moment when our daughter said, I hate you and I hate your God. Do you see God as his story? He brings in the outsiders. He is constantly saying, I'm going to break down all those categories and the self-justifying things that you try to build up in your life to make yourself feel good because I want everyone to come and know the freedom that there is. God is bringing his redemption into our mess. He is making things right. He is reminding us that we are first and foremost his. The evil plans to come and destroy God's people, to kill, steal, and destroy, but Jesus came that we might have abundant life. This is true for us today, not just Old Testament stories that somehow live on in folklore. Yeah, so we're, I'm going to fast forward just a little bit. I had some of the scripture I want to share, but I'm just going to skip to the point of the scripture. One of the things I love about the disciple John and I don't know about you, but do you ever read the Gospel of John and it says the disciple whom Jesus loved, right? That John never refers to himself by his own name. It's kind of like self Yeah, it feels a little, a little like, if, 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 you don't, if you didn't know John, it feels a little bit like, well, oh, okay. Jesus loved Ooh, me. Jesus loved you. Right, yeah, he's the favorite, right? Yeah. So, you know the other person in the Gospel of John is never mentioned by their given name? Oh, I got you. Mary, Jesus' mom. 
She is referred to, fact check me, she's referred to over and over again by Jesus' mother or his mother. Over and over and over again. And there's a beautiful scene on the cross where Jesus tells Mary and John, you're now each other's family, take care of each other. And I think that all these years later, when John finally got it, he went, I am going to be completely identified by my relationship with Jesus. So identified by my relationship with Jesus, nothing else matters. And I'm sure that he and Mary had many conversations around that. That this was not a prideful thing. This was actually him laying down in humility and going, my whole life is through my relationship with Jesus. Who I am is identified through that. Doesn't that break down all of that? Where you go, oh man, he was really about himself. Oh, Jesus loved me. And instead you're like, Jesus, like I only know myself by how Jesus loved me. Right? I mean, just such a beautiful shift. Right? Do you want to do that? No. I, so I want to finish by going back. Okay. And let's, let's, I want to finish up a little bit with Mackenzie's story. So let, let me finish this piece. Maybe you have to finish this piece. Mackenzie has not had an easy road, but she has chosen Jesus over and over and over again. And she has kept saying yes, even when things have been hard. She is married to this wonderful man who came alongside and is in the process of adopting her son. This is Ryan and Mackenzie and their daughter Callie and Corbin. And this is our brand new grandson that we just got to meet, Coulter. And we look at this and we go, this is our, our family story of redemption. This right here, if ever we find ourselves doubting or becoming forgetful people, we just need to jump on FaceTime real quick and see the Lord's work. So as we share Mackenzie's story, just know that she's totally fine sharing her story. And what she would tell you if she were standing here today is the important part of my story is not all the mess up to this point. The important part is I, I, kept, I started saying yes, and I found my identity in Jesus. And that through that, he's rewriting a redemption story on her life yeah. that will affect her kids, my grandkids. Our great-grandchildren, Our like great the generations to come and to come and to come. We see that story being written. And so I would say that as we wrap up here, let me ask a couple questions. Where are you in your journey of faith? Have you ever said yes to following Jesus? Or are you still kind of like, I don't know, these people are a little bit weird. They are weird. It's okay. Here's the good news. You're weird too. Okay, we're all weird. We're all a little weird. But if you've not ever started that journey, just know the invitation is there to say, okay, Jesus, if you're real, come. I, good luck. Do whatever you can with it. It's kind of the place where Mackenzie was. Good luck. Maybe you're also in a place where you go, I've been following Jesus for a long time. And it just doesn't seem to work very well, or I feel like I can't get, break out of sin patterns. I think there's an invitation to find your identity in a new way today. That you could break those things. You do not have to be known by your sin, by your addiction, by your hurt, by your pain, by your broken relationships. You could be known by one thing only, Jesus. Yeah. And then if you're at a place where you're going, man, I'm... I'm, I'm killing the world right now. Yeah, it's not perfect. Like, things are still hard, but I'm really leaning in. We would invite you and say, then is your life a witness? Are you literally a witness, as it talks about in Acts 1.8? It doesn't say go there for witness to the world. It says go there for be witnesses. It's a noun. It's your, you, your life is your witness. And we get to be our witness. And here's our challenge. 
Don't be a witness that has it all together. Be a witness who allows, like Mackenzie, the broken parts of your past to come forward so that people can see God's redemption. Preach. Yeah, I just want to share two things as we're finishing up. Love you. Bye. Um, Safe flight. Love you, babe. I just want to remind you, you may have figured this out based off the 14-year-old version of our daughter and the picture that you just saw of our story of redemption. This was not a quick journey. This was not a pain-free journey. This was years and years of crying out on our faces for God to do whatever it would take for that to come forth for Mackenzie, right? And as I've been praying for you guys, there's just a couple words that I've had. We're going to close in worship, and Paul's going to invite the, I know, the ministry team up in a minute. But as we're worshiping, there's just a couple words I want to share. The first is that sometimes we spend a long time covered in manure, okay? If you guys are familiar with the story in Luke 13, there's a man with a fig tree that's planted in the middle of his vineyard, and the vine dresser, he goes out, it says, and he goes, comes to seek fruit, and there was none. And the vine dresser's like, cut it down. But the owner of the vineyard says, let me cover it in some manure, and let's wait a year and see what happens. Let's see if there's fruit next year. If we had made the choice to say, Mackenzie, you are a messed up 14-year-old. There is no good fruit coming out of you. Let's just cut it down. Or we're going to cover it in a bunch of manure and let it sit and see what the Lord fertilizes and see what fruit will come as his presence stays. So some of you are in a place where you may be feeling like this stuff is covered. I just want to climb out of this. I want to cut the tree down because that's the quick and easy way. Those are the things that we do in our culture, right? God says, I am not in it for the quick fix. I'm in it for the fruit that's going to come. And this morning I woke up and I had just this clear as day word that said, come to the water. I don't know who that is for. I don't know if that's an invitation to say, maybe you have never said yes to Jesus or maybe you did and he's going, come back to me. I know your journey. I know what you've been covered by. Come to the water, the living water that will never run dry. And I had this really clear dream this week of someone either that was by, goes by the name of Amy or perhaps, um, perhaps there's an Amy in your life. And in my dream, this woman was just broken and crying out and with the cry of her heart that I have not had the chance for that kind of reconciliation yet. And maybe there's someone in your life as you hear our story, maybe you're on the beginning edges, maybe you're afraid that your daughter's story will become what ours was. Maybe... Maybe there's someone who just refuses to allow you to step into that place of reconciliation. So I just want to offer that if any of those words are for you, as we, when, when we worship, just bring that before the Lord. When the prayer team comes up to minister, say yes. Say yes, I'm here to pray. Others are here to pray for you because God knows our story and God is here to bring the rest of the story to bear in your life. He is here for the redemption, not just the mess. I'm going to close this in prayer. I'm going to close this in prayer. I'm going to pray two prayers, okay? I'm going to pray two prayers. The first is, if you have a broken relationship that is breaking your heart, I'm going to pray over that. And second is, the most important relationship that you can pay attention to that is broken 
is how is your relationship with the Lord? How is your relationship with the Lord? How, how, how are you doing? How are you and Him? And if you, if, if you can answer right now where you can say, hey man, my relationship's good, then I'm just gonna bless that. But if there's a space in your life right now where you go, yeah, I probably need to, I probably need to pay attention to that one. We're gonna pray over that. Let's, let's pray over it. We're going to pray over broken relationships right now. And so just put your hands out. I, I teach you this all the time. This is how we receive. We put our hands out. We say, Lord, I want to receive from you. Lord, I want, I, want, I, want you to, I want you to heal. Lord, like place in my hands right now that relationship. Heal those relationships. So, Lord, right now we just come before you. And, Lord, we take our broken relationships that we have and we give them to you and say, Lord, we don't have anything but ashes. But Lord, you're the one who can turn beauty. You can, you can take my ashes and you can, you can make them beautiful, God. You can take the brokenness in my life and you can give me back redemption. And so, Lord, we lift up those relationships. And we just say, God, would you do a work? And we give you those people and say, we trust the work that you are doing. And Lord, right now, we just say, Lord, we want to be right with you that we would personally surrender our lives to you and say, Lord, I need you in my life. Would you please forgive me? Would you forgive me for walking away from you? Would you forgive me for not trusting you? Would you forgive me for being selfish? And Lord, I would ask that you would come into my life and give me a new redemption story with you. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you're doing. Thank you that you never give up on us. Thank you that you love us. In Jesus' name we pray. The whole church said, amen. Would you, would you give a big round, big ruckus applause for Mike and Christy? They, they also have their sweet daughter, Evelyn, with them, and she's, uh, she's a sophomore in high school. And she loves Jesus deeply, and it's been a pleasure to get to be with friends. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful weekend. Hey, thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed the podcast, don't forget to subscribe and share it with your friends. If you find this tool valuable and would like to support this ministry, you can do so easily through our DTV app or on our website, dtvchurch.org forward slash give. God bless you and have a great rest of your week.